right. Hey, welcome to church today. Come on, you guys doing all right? You didn't have to shovel snow this week. Come on. It's a good week. Hey, uh, I want to welcome everybody that is watching us right now on YouTube Live. Hey, thank you for tuning in to our YouTube channel and whoever's going to listen to our podcast this week. Hey, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right. We are in a series, a very long series called Treasure Hunt. Uh, I have no idea when it's going to end, okay? We're, we're just going to follow uh, the Holy Spirit. I, I think we at least have one more week, and then I think we'll switch gears. Um, but the last three weeks, we've been talking about the key. We've been talking about the key to the treasure chest that God has in store for us, right? Because God has more for our lives. He has acres of diamonds for our life. He has more treasure in store for our lives. But one, we have to get there. And two, we actually have to open the treasure chest, the gifts that he has for us. And obedience is that key that opens the treasure chest to all that God has in store for us. And so we've been talking the last two weeks, and it's going to be three weeks about obedience, okay? And so I am naming this message uh, Treasure Hunt 7C, okay? 7C, Treasure Obedience. And, and I just did not want to rush through this subject, right? Because it is so important. Obedience is so important to God and, and discovering all that He has in store for us. Let's, let's recap really quick, and then we'll jump into part 7C today, all right? Um, Matt, we've, uh, let, let me recap the last couple weeks because we're going to pick up there. We've been talking about God, uh, a father named God, right? We've been talking about a father named God. Jesus says, hey, when, when you pray, when you talk to dad, the heavenly father, think about him as a father first, right? And, and the reason why is because Jesus is like, man, we serve a generous daddy. We, we serve a generous father who has great gifts in store for our lives, right? And then last week, we, we talked about that God is a perfect daddy who disciplines, okay? Who disciplines us. A good dad disciplines his children. And we really talked about the difference between punishment and discipline. God does not punish us, right? He doesn't stricken us with cancer or making us get into a car accident or anything like that. His his discipline is always perfect and always leads to a peaceful harvest, okay? And, and, and so, man, God, we want to be disciplined by God. And really, it's just whenever we get off track, he just brings us back on track, right? And so uh, we talked about a father who, who disciplines us, a father who has great gifts in store for us. And, and really, we talked about, hey, what is obedience? And obedience really is just living by this book, right? The words that God has already written for us. And, and listen, and we've talked about this a couple weeks ago, nobody's nailing this perfectly, okay? No, nobody's nailing it perfectly. That's why God has given us a grace bridge, right? We fall short. God is an overcomer. And as long as we fall on that grace bridge, we will get to the purpose and plan that God has in store for us. Amen? Amen. Man, are you guys ready? Are you, are you keyed in? Come on, it's going to be a great message today. Come on, let's pray and we'll get into God's word. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for every person that's here in this room today, God. Father, we, we, 
we know that you have a word for us. So open our hearts, open our minds today. God, let us leave this place changed. We give you these next 30 minutes, Lord. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, uh, I got my mic fixed. Come on, somebody. Like, no more. I feel free, right? I've been freed. Amen. Obedience is the key that opens the treasure chest. Where, where, where I want to start today, where I want to start today, I want to start back with the father image, okay? Because I believe it's, it's really important. And I want to talk about an all-powerful daddy. I want to talk about an all-powerful daddy. Come on, new mic. Don't mess up on me. Come on. An all-powerful father. And uh, I want to talk in, in John chapter 14. Um, Jesus gives us how God relates to obedience. Come on, let's read it. John 14, 22 through 24. Judas, not Judas Iscariot. I don't know why this makes me laugh, but how would you like to be the other disciple named Judas, right? Oh, are you that Judas? No, I'm the other Judas, right? <laughs> uh, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. All who love me will do what I say. And we've talked about um, not just obeying God to obey God, but motivation matters, right? Why we, we, we follow God, why we obey, right? And we talked about the first motivation should be love, right? We should be motivated to follow God and discover all that he has for us because we we love him, right? And here what we see in the scripture is we see that Jesus says, daddy relates obedience and love as one. Come on, come on, new mics. All right, what were we talking about? All right. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. And I, man, that, what a beautiful image that is, right? That God and G, they will come and make our home in our home. What a beautiful image that is. Anyone who doesn't love me, listen to this, this is Jesus's words, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. There's this really famous book called The, the Five love, love Languages. I don't know if you've ever read that, but it talks about the five different love languages and how people want to be loved. And, and here we see that one of Jesus or one of God's love languages is obedience, like active service. Okay, like like God relates love to obedience. And Jesus is telling us, listen, if you don't obey God, if you don't try to align your life with this book that God has already written us, God sees that as rejection of his love. And that's not, no, those aren't Pastor Andrew's words. Those are Jesus's words. But don't go mad at me, right? And, 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 and so we see here how serious it is that we obey God. Because God sees obedience as showing our love back to him. And the reason why, and, and Jesus would say that if you knowingly stay in your sin, okay? You know it's a sin. You keep sinning. You don't try to change your life. Jesus would say you love your sin more than you love God. And the reason why 
I think we stay in some of the sins and we allow some of the sins in our life and, and habitual habits to, to, to keep us captive, to keep us in prison, is because we don't, we don't have the fear of the Lord. Now, when I grew up, <laughs> and I've talked about this before, like I literally had the fear of the Lord. Like every day I thought he was gonna send me to hell. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and so, and I, and I think because we, we, we over, when I grew up in church and it was hell and brimstone and I was afraid every day to go to hell and, and we kind of overcorrected and we didn't, we don't talk about that at all, but having fear for an all-powerful daddy is really important to understand King Solomon said it's so important, Proverbs 9, 10. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we can't have wisdom from the Lord unless we fear him and we acknowledge that he is an all-powerful daddy. And last week we, we talked about, at the end, we, we kind of ended it with delayed obedience is still disobedience. And... God can absolutely restore. He can restore everything the devil has stolen from you. He can absolutely, he will do that. He's done that for me. And I've talked about my story seven years as a partier, as a drinker, as a man doing drugs. And, and God has restored all of those years that I wasted. But God doesn't give us a time machine where we can go back and change those hours, days, weeks, years that we've spent in disobedience, okay? And so it's important that we obey today. It's important to know that, man, we might not have all of the time in the world and that God is speaking to us today to obey today. And when we have that fear of an all-powerful daddy, it can motivate us to say, okay, I don't, I don't want to miss anything that God has in store for my life. Like, God wants us to have a sense of urgency to obey in our lives. We're going to talk about two stories this morning, two Old Testament stories this morning. The first one, we're going to talk about uh, God's chosen people, the Israelites, okay? Now, God's chosen people, the Israelites, were in slavery God freed them out of slavery. Now listen, the Israelites, this is our story too. Like, like this, this is us. This is a story about us. And he frees his people from slavery. He, he, he parts a Red Sea. He does all of these miracles for them. He, he feeds them supernaturally, right? And God gets them to the brink of their treasure in two years, okay? He gets them to the brink of their promised land in two years. Now, depending on how old you are today, two years either seems like a really long time or no time at all, right? Like for me, at the age that I'm at, if God told me in two years, I will get you to the promised land, I will get you to a treasure, I will get you to blessings that are beyond your imagination, I'd be like, let's go. Do you know what I'm saying? Let's do it, right? And so God had gotten his people to the brink of the promised land, the treasure, everything that he has in store for their life. And there's about a million of them, about a million of Israelites during this period of time. And so what Moses does is Moses sends out spies. Let's pick up in Numbers 13, one through three, and let's read it. The Lord now, the Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan. 
the land I am giving to the Israelites, send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. So he, he, he gets a group of guys together, 12, one that represents each tribe, and then he sends them into this land. Let's continue. Let's continue with uh, the next scripture. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and shown them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. It is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produced. Okay, so they, they go into this land. They spend 40 days there, and they actually see the treasure that God wants to give them. God spoke to them and said, I am giving you this gift. I'm giving you this gift. Do you know that God has gifts already created for us? He has gifts for us. And so God is telling his people, listen, I am giving you this land. This is his promise. This is his direction to his people. I am giving you this treasure. I am giving you this land. And they go in there and they're like, this is awesome. The fruit is lush. It's a land of milk and honey. It's it is gorgeous. This land is beautiful. And they, they saw, and, and many times God doesn't even do this for us where we can actually see the blessing. We can hold the blessing in our hand. And that's what they were, these people were experiencing. They're like, man, this is awesome. Look at their, look at their response to Moses. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites. They all live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once. To take the land, he said, we can certainly conquer it. The spies saw it with their physical eyes, but they didn't believe it in their hearts. They, they, they saw it. Like, like, we can see the promises of God in, in his scripture. We can even have the Holy Spirit begin to speak to our lives and do things in our lives. But, man, if we don't believe it in our hearts, we will not take the treasure that God has placed in our lives. Because he needs obedience. He, he needs obedience for us to unlock everything that he's given us. And so here's God's people. They, Man, he's spoken in that first passage there. He says, I am giving you this blessing. I am giving you this land. And they look at the, they look at the people there, right? They look at the walls there, and they're like, it's too hard. It's too difficult. 
What's happening, what happens in this moment is what happens to us sometimes, right? We start to build giants out of our problems. And what ends up happening is, is we, we start to convince ourselves that our problems and our issues, whatever we're going through, are bigger than our God. Because that's what they felt in that moment. They're like, man, these people are huge. Like, like these walls are huge and fortified. We, we can't possibly overcome them with our own strength. And that was the whole point, that they would have relied on God God's strength and not their own strength. So many times we, 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 we make our problems out bigger than God. And it ends up, what ends up happening is God becomes the last resort and not the first refuge. Right? So many times, man, we, God becomes the, the, the last thing we go to. And we try to figure it on our own. And, and Instead of the first refuge, when the problem comes, the issues come, the struggle comes, man, immediately we go to God and say, God, this is too big for me, but I know it's not too big for you. Because I know the promises that you've spoke to me. I know you've got good gifts for me, and I'm aligning myself with your word, and I'm aligning myself with the Holy Spirit, and I want all that you have for me, even if it looks impossible today. Let's continue with this story in verse 31 and 32. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. So they're disagreeing with the one guy that, that speaks up, that's Caleb, right? They're, they're, they're disagreeing with him. They say, well, we, we can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report among the land, among, about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. And again, what do, what do they go back to? They, they go back to, to the problem, right? They, they go back, man, the problem's huge. Like, like the issue is huge. And there's, there's some of us in this room today that, man, your, your struggles are huge. Your problems are huge, whether they're within your marriage or your family or at work or in your finances. And Satan would love you to believe that your issue is too big for God, is too strong for God. And they, these people allowed Satan to steal the gift that he had already given them. He had already given them the gift. When we reject the gifts of God, and essentially we're rejecting the love of God, there are real consequences to that. And we see that in this story. Let's continue with this story in Numbers 14, 33-34. This is God's response to, that, to these, his people rejecting his gift, rejecting, because God sees it as rejecting his love. And your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In this way, they will pay for your faithlessness until the last of you lies dead in the wilderness. Because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years. A year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sin. Then you will discover what it's like to have me for an enemy. Let, let, let's continue. Let's wrap up. 
Verse 35, I, the Lord, have spoken. I will certainly do these things to every member of the community who has conspired against me. They will be destroyed here in this wilderness, and here they will die. Welcome to Passionate Life Church. <laughs> You're like, Pastor, I invited my neighbor today, and... This is the part of the fear of the Lord, right? Like, like this is the part when we talked about, man, we, are, we have this sense that, that God's grace is, is immeasurable, and it is. But we have to fear the Lord enough to say, okay, I'm not going to continue to live this way because I know that my sin and my mistakes that we keep making can have real consequences, and maybe not on your life, but maybe on your kid's life, maybe on your, your grandkid's life, right? Have you, have you thought about how your decisions today can affect your legacy? How they can affect maybe not your life, but, but your kid's life or your grandkid's life or your great-great-grandkid's life, like, 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 we serve a God of, of legacy, and, and, and listen, it, it, it bewilders me, okay, it bewilders me, um, parents that have kids that don't make them come to church, okay, and, and families that, that are showing their children to put God first every Sunday, and what is the example that you're showing your kids today? What is the message that you are conveying to them every single week where God ranks on our importance? Listen, our decisions today that we make just don't matter for our own lives, but what message are you sending to your kids and your grandkids and what legacy are you leaving behind because sometimes our mistakes are so bad that they affect the next generation so everybody dies in the wilderness except joshua and caleb moses even dies never to discover all that god had Never to experience. And this is what happens when we reject the gifts of God. Essentially, we are rejecting the love of God. I'm preaching good because it is quiet in here. <laughs> Woo! Listen, I preach these type of messages because I love you so much. And I don't want you to miss one blessing, one treasure that God has in store for your life, for your family, for your marriage, because whatever it is, Jesus is enough to overcome whatever your issue or your problem is. I want to I wanna switch gears. I want to talk about a good story, okay? Um, a guy by the name of Abraham. And God gave Abraham this promise that he'd be the father of this huge nation, so huge that he couldn't even count 
And the problem was, is that Sarah was barren, right? And he couldn't have his own kid with his wife. And eventually God fulfills the promise and, and Abraham's a hundred years old, okay? Talk about making somebody wait for the promise, right? Like two years doesn't sound so bad, you know what I mean? And uh, it's probably, you know, he, he, this desire was probably in him at a young age. And so he's waiting decades for God to bless him. And God finally blesses him. God finally blesses him with a son of his own, and he names him Isaac, and he loved Isaac. He loved Isaac. And sometimes God will test our loyalty because there can be a tendency of beginning to love the gifts more than the gift giver. We have the tendency to begin to love the provision more than the provider. And so in this story, God tests Abraham's loyalty. Hey, who, who do you love more? Let, let, let's read it. Let's pick it up in Genesis 22, 1 through 3. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Morah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Let's stop there for a moment. This does not make sense. This makes no sense at all, right? And what I love is somehow this has become a Sunday school story, right? And um, I remember being in Sunday school with the Sunday school teacher and the felt boards, right? And I was just wondering, I think it was like eight or nine at the time, and I'm like, God told him to stab his son? Like, what is happening here, right? This, this story does not make sense. Sometimes God asks us to do things that don't make sense sense because he's trying to see who we are most devoted to because God will not take second third or fourth place in our lives God must be number one he must be number one in our lives and so here he takes his only son that he's waited a very long time for and God is asking him to sacrifice him. And look at this, look at this. The next morning. Not Abraham waited a year to have some good times with his son. Six months later, three months later, a week later. No, the next morning. Instant obedience. We're talking, man, Abraham trusted God more than anything else. And so we see instant obedience here, and we're going to see the blessing of instant obedience here. Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took his two, two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. Let's continue. So he's taking them up, right? He's taking his son up, 
um, Isaac, and, and Isaac's like 10 years old at the time, and, and he's like, he's tying him up. His, his son is like, Dad, um, where's the sacrifice? And he's like, don't worry about it, right? And uh, <laughs> he's, he's tying his son up to the altar, right? Like, poor Isaac, right? And, and, and I actually saw this coloring sheet this week where, where Abraham had this knife. It was like, oh, color it in. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, this story makes literally no sense, because, right? Like, like, what is God doing here? And, and, and so Abraham picks up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Yes? Got the knife in the air. Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now, I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And God, and as, as a perfect father, as an all-powerful father, man, he, he needs our love because God associates obedience with love. Think about this for a moment. Think about this for a moment. If you're married today or you have kids or you have friends that you want to keep um, or family members, right? Think about this for a moment. If you told them that you love them all the time. Oh, I love you, baby. Oh, I love you, son. Oh, daughter, my BFF, I love you, right? Like if you told them all the time that you love them, but you literally did nothing to show that you love them. You, you never did anything that showed love for your spouse. You said it with your words. You, oh, I love you. But you, you literally showed no appreciation at all. You, you never bought any Christmas presents or, or birthday presents. You, you never took your kids out to the park. or You literally did nothing. You never took the garbage out. Come on, somebody. Come on. Your spouse and your kids and your BFF, they wouldn't think that you love them because there was no actions behind your love. And this is what God is showing us here today. There needs to be actions behind your love. That's why obedience opens the treasure to all that God has in store for us. And so here we see God testing Abraham. Are you going to put love into action? Because, you know, that, that's what God did for us. He put love into action. He sent his only son, Jesus, to die for us. He put love into action. He says, I'm not only just going to tell you how much I love you, I'm going to show you how much I love you. And I'm going to send you the greatest gift of all time, and that's my son, Jesus. So let's continue with the story. Verse 13 and 14. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yuri, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. There's another translation for that, and that is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, and so listen to this. 
because of Abraham's instant obedience, right? He doesn't delay. He obeys right away. Even when it doesn't make sense, right? He obeys. And, and as he has Isaac on the altar, right? God does what? He provides. And, and for the very first time, this is the first time we see this name for God, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. In the literal Hebrew translations, it says that see that God will provide. God will supernaturally provide when we obey even when it doesn't make sense. When we put him first in our life and we believe in our heart that no problem, no issue, no struggle is bigger than our God. Satan would love you to believe that your depression is forever. He would love you to believe that your anxiety is just who you are. He would love you to believe that your debt is too big for God to erase. He would love you to believe that that dead-end job that you're in will never get better. Satan would love, man, he's constantly lying to us. Why? Because he doesn't want us to obey. Because he knows if we align our will up with God's will, man, the treasure chest is open. Man, the blessings will pour out. God will begin to provide over and over and over in our lives. But we have to have that sense of fear. That knowing that, man, he's a loving God, absolutely. He's a loving father. He disciplines us, absolutely. He has perfect discipline that always leads to a peaceful harvest. But that he's also an all-powerful daddy. And that we, we, we should have the fear of, of him knowing that he can do whatever he wants to do at any time. And that, now we might not have all the time in the world to keep screwing around with our lives. And the more we screw around, the more we miss out on all the great things that God has in store for our life. I will end with this, this thought, and then we're gonna transition into taking communion this morning. That ratio, I, I like numbers. And that ratio, ten, uh, two out of 12. See, there was two spies that were like, no, 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 we can have it. We can take the land. God, he gave it to us. Let's not reject the gift that God has given to us. The other 10 said, no, it's too big. It's about, that percentage is about 17 or 18%. And what I have found following Jesus and being in different churches and following passionately for the last 19 years, I have found that this is about the ratio of how many people actually align themselves with God's word. I have found this as a pastor and, and, and it breaks my heart that there's about 80% of Christians, I'm not even talking about the people in the world, of Christians that stand at the edge of the promised land and they're holding the key in their hand and they never stick it in the treasure chest. And they just stand at the brink of breakthrough. 
And they just stand. They, they see all that God has in store and can do in their life. But they never step in. They never take the key. And they never turn it. Because they, the reality is they love themselves more than God. They, they love their stuff more than God. They, they don't think God is bigger than their problems. And so they stand at the brink of breakthrough. They stand at the brink of blessing. I don't want us to be like that today. I don't want you to miss out on all that God has in store for you. Come on, turn that key today. Step into the promised land. Stop allowing the fear from the enemy from holding you back from all that God has store for your life. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes today. Maybe you'd say today, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus, and, and I need to get right with God today. Or maybe you drifted from the truth, and, and man, you, you can relate. You're, you are standing at the brink of the promised land, but God is not first in your life. Again, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to make a decision for the first time for Christ, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Or if you just want to recommit me, commit your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask right now that you slip up your hand. I just want to pray with you today. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. You can put your hands down. And I would just ask that we would all repeat this prayer as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning, that you would forgive me of all my sin, that you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap. Heaven is rejoicing.